I had to laugh the other day. Uh, my wife was saying to me, when does the three services begin? I go, I don't know. And I'm the pastor, so August 23rd. Uh, we're still going to do online, by the way, and we're going to do that well at 10 o'clock also, just so those of you who are joining us online today know what's going on in, in that regard. So welcome. Good to see you all here. Good to have you online joining us. Shout out to you at Aberdeen and, and Watertown and those of you from here, and shout out to you also. Um, Last week, if you were watching online, 16 minutes into the message, we had a technical glitch. And the people that broadcast for us, they went down. And we didn't come back up until 1230. Great timing, amen, right? Missed the whole morning. So if you missed it online last week, that was a great message. Pastor Aaron summarized the the John series for us uh, using Jesus' prayer from John chapter 17. I would encourage you to go back online this week and watch that. It's it's up and and good. And sorry for the inconvenience, especially for those of you who are joining us online. Um, Boy, I tell you, John chapter 17, Jesus' prayer to me is one of the best chapters in the whole book uh, of the Bible. And so I thought, oh, great. You know, but it is what it is. So um, each year as a preacher, I pray to the Lord and I ask, what do you, what do you want us to thematically cover this year, uh, Jesus? What, what, what should we really be pushing into? And I really felt in my spirit this last year that we are supposed to push into this whole idea of just a real genuine faithfulness, uh, really uh, walking deeply with Jesus this year. Um, didn't know why, but I, I just sensed that's where God was taking us. And so we went to the Gospel of John. And basically for 29 weeks, we've been studying the life of Jesus. Amen? Oh, boy. I might as well be preaching to a camera. No, I'm just joking. So now we're going to go into Galatians today. It's a short six-chapter epistle written by the Apostle Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And whenever someone comes to Christ and they're really new in their faith, I'll tell them to read two books of the Bible. First of all, Mark, because it's good short, concise gospel, and I'll tell them, read Galatians, because in six chapters, you get what it's all about. And so we're going to go over Galatians for the next six weeks and get back to some basics of our faith and some fundamental things that we ought to be uh, convinced of. And then this fall, this fall, we're going to do a series called Grown Up Faith, It's 11 weeks long. It's going to take us basically from Labor Day all the way past into the first week of Advent. And we're going to look at at key concepts of the Christian faith that we absolutely must understand and must adhere to. And I see God's hand in all this. I I see him, you know, preparing our hearts and our lives for dealing with COVID-19 and some of these things that have been going on. Uh, The best way to deal with what's going on is what? Press into Jesus Christ. Walk closely with him um, during this time. God uses everything that we go through for our good, right? And we know, we've heard this. I hope you've been paying attention. When that word good is used, it means conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. So God uses all things for our conformity into the image of Jesus Christ. And the adversity that we have been going through is a gift. Have you ever said, thank you, God, for what we're going through? I've heard a lot of complaining, and I've been leading the cheer. How about you? But adversity is our friend. It pushes us into greater dependence in the Lord Jesus Christ. It pushes us into some transformation maybe that we have not yet experienced. We're experiencing the Lord on a new new level. Uh, I want to just say some things to you, and I say it with the love of Jesus. Take personal responsibility for your spiritual well-being. 
That's one of the things that I think this time is, is, is really making known to us. We each have to own our walk with God. If you have children, shepherd them well. Take personal responsibility for their spiritual well-being. Own the mission of Jesus Christ to make him known to others. Times like this afford us that kind of challenge and opportunity. Christianity is often misunderstood, and I think it's often misused even by those who should know better. A sign was hung in a Sunday school room at a church that said this, listen to this, Jesus died for your sins. The least you can do is shut up. That was a joke, albeit a bad one. But what was going on was the Sunday school teacher evidently was having trouble with the children talking and interfering uh, when they were teaching. So they were using Jesus as the grand disciplinarian. And they were taking the Savior, Jesus, and turning him into a disciplinarian. And that's a misuse, a misunderstanding of Christianity. And Galatians is a succinct six-chapter epistle that gets after what are the main things of our faith and what are the secondary things of our faith. Now, I don't know how astute you are with Christian history. I love Christian history. And one of the things I really love to study is the Reformation in that era and what happened during that time. And what the Reformation simply tried to do during the 1600s was bring Christians back to the fundamental, what is Christianity all about? The church had kind of lost her way and what basically began to happen was a return to the simplicity of, of what it really means to be a Christ follower. And so simple slogans were adopted that kind of were summary statements of what was going on at the time. You know, Scripture alone, Christ alone, grace alone. These slogans help people to remember the basic tenets of the Christian faith. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the book of Galatians. Guess what? Galatians was one of the fundamental books used during that Reformation period to return the church of Jesus Christ back to Jesus as Lord. For example, some have begun to teach, um, let me, I'm going, I'm sorry, I'm excited today. I'll settle down. Breathe. Okay, right? You're not excited, but I am. Is that true? I hope not. Anyway, boy, I tell you what, You ever hit a crowd? I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stop right now before I say something stupid, which I've already done. Um, So Paul's writing this this book of Galatians to this this church group in in the province of Galatia, right? Uh, And some had come to these churches in Paul's absence and begin to teach erroneous things. And they were adding on to the teachings of of coming to God by Jesus Christ. Um, And they were telling the non-Jewish people that would be Gentiles, uh, that, that they also had to observe the law of Moses to be okay with God. They weren't saved by grace alone. And that was a fundamental affront to Paul. That was fundamentally wrong, and he's addressing that in the book of Galatians. The uh, opponents of, of Paul also taught that by not emphasizing the law enough, by not emphasizing rules and regulations enough, they were then you know, unintentionally going to let loose a bunch of hooligans. There's going to be all kinds of morality issues. And they misunderstood that when Jesus comes into the heart of a person, they're born again, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and God writes his law in your heart. Amen? 
We don't need a bunch of externals to do what is right. And I find it fascinating. We're living in this time, right, that's difficult. And all these people are trying to legislate correct behavior. And what we need during this time is not a bunch of legislation and a bunch of ordinances and laws. What we need is a bunch of redeemed people living for God. Amen? And this affords us this opportunity to live entirely differently. You and I, we can live entirely differently in these times and we can be a light for the Lord Jesus Christ. God writes his heart, his law in our hearts. Let me, let me read to you a, a, a section of Titus today. Listen to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say what? No to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And, 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 and Paul in Galatians is returning us to this basic fundamental truth that it's not externals that make a person right. It's an internal transformation that makes a person right. So let's get introduced to the book of Galatians. I'm going to read to you now um, um, Paul's greeting and introduction. So listen to this, because he begins, even in, his, even in his introduction and greeting, there's some real nuggets of truth here. Listen to Galatians chapter 1 now, verses 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle, said, not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to what? To what? To rescue us. From this present evil age, according to the will of our Father, our, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, even in this introduction, even in, in this greeting, saying, Hey, how y'all doing? He gives us this huge theological nugget Jesus came to rescue us. When my oldest daughter, Liz, who's now almost 40, was just a little gal, we thought, we better get her swimming because we have a lake place and we want to make sure she doesn't drown. So we started in swimming lessons when she was just a little thing, like a year and a half, two years old. And the first skill that they learned was they would stand at the edge of the pool, right? And you would sit in the water and say, jump! And she would jump in, into my arms and I'd praise her for, you know, doing that. But I remember saying to her over and over again, Liz, never jump into the water when dad's not there to catch you. And she would nod her little head. She was a very verbal little girl and said, yes, daddy, and all that. And I said, because you will sink like a rock. And so one day we go there and I get her dressed and she's just cute and all that. And she takes off for the pool while I have no clothes on. I'm running after her, hopping, trying to put my swimming suit on. Stop, 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 stop. Don't, no. And she runs. She gets into this pool. She just does a great big jump into the water. And there's no dad to catch her. And I remember getting to the edge of the pool about three seconds after that, and there she is, literally a foot under the water, standing on the bottom of the pool, looking at me with these great, big, huge brown eyes. And I looked down at her, she's looking at me, and I just bent down, and I reached and pulled her out of the water. I rescued her. She would have drowned. Well, maybe a lifeguard would have saw her, I hope so. But I pull her out of the water, and she looks at me, Dad, I sank like a rock. I said, uh-huh. You needed to be rescued. Listen. Listen to this. Hear this. We need to be rescued by Jesus. We're under a foot of water. We cannot save ourselves. It's impossible to save ourselves. Jesus is our rescuer. This is an incredibly important concept to understand. Um, 
Jesus gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from this evil age. And you and I, we need to be rescued. Amen? We need to be rescued. Even at home, you should say, amen. I don't care if you're by yourself. Say, amen. I need to be rescued. Elizabeth didn't stand a chance without her daddy lifting her out of of that water. And it is a humbling admission on our part to say, I can't do this myself. I need to be rescued. But that kind of admission, that kind of humbleness is the beginning of a genuine faith experience with God. And it has to be a continuing kind of attitude of humility and understanding and thankfulness that God rescues us. If we have that attitude, we don't get proud. We don't get self-sufficient. We don't get holier than thou going on. We have this kind of witness to us where people like to be around us because there's this humility and admission that we need to be rescued. Years ago, I went to a leadership seminar. And at this leadership seminar, several larger churches, evangelical churches, had done a survey of their people. 15,000 people were surveyed. And they were asked this question. How are you saved? Okay, this is evangelical churches. What do you think was the answer? 51% of people said, I'm saved by grace through faith. They basically got the answer down right. But get this. 47% said, I'm saved by the works that I do, by the good things that I do. That's alarming to me. I don't know what happened to the other 2%. I'm a math guy. That bothers me. What happened to the other 2%? They just abstain or what? They just say, I'm not going to vote on this. Too tough a question. I'm not going to, I don't want to cause controversy. I don't want, I don't understand. I just, sorry. This four, you know, it doesn't add up to 100%. You understand that, right? Anyway, you do, I don't know, 2% didn't answer they just maybe didn't want to, I don't know. People abstain when they don't know what to say. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9 answers this question for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9 succinctly answers this question for us. I want you to read this out loud with me. I want you to memorize this scripture. If you're at home right now, and if you're with kids or wherever you are, if you're at one of our campuses, I want you to read this out loud with me. I want you to participate. Part of the way that you engage, even online, part of the way that you engage is by doing some of these things that I suggest you do so that it brings you into the message moment. So let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 out loud and see if it doesn't answer this question that was just asked. Here we go. Read it with me. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So, you are rescued, saved, by grace through faith. That's the methodology of your rescue. You are saved by God's grace, by his empowerment, through faith In Jesus Christ. Now, I think it's a natural tendency for us to become self sufficient and forget how utterly desperately we need to be rescued and how thankful we should walk constantly at being rescued. Times like COVID 19 strip us down to our core. And and one of the big frustrations I'm seeing now with this whole COVID 19 thing is this a sense of loss of control. Amen. It doesn't matter where you fall on this thing. 
whether you believe it's as bad as it is or believe it's worse than it is or whatever, I think the frustration is really this, the sense I don't control my outcome. This the sense that all this stuff is being legislated. I don't know if I agree with this, this, this you know, isolation thing and, and all this and all that. And then there's this, this legitimacy to it, of course, that people are dying from it. And people are getting hospitalized from it, some. We haven't experienced a lot of that here, have we? That wasn't a trick question. And so for us, it's, it becomes a little bit more of a, well, is this as bad as it is or not? You know, on that kind of, kind of thought process. But at any rate, I think the big issue is a sense of loss of control. And that's not necessarily bad. You know why? We never had control. Amen? We are not in control. And so there's where that adversity can bring you back to this fundamental understanding. I've never had control. I'm desperate for Christ. I need to be rescued. If you will let it do that in your life, guess what? You're going to experience transformation through this thing instead of, instead of destruction by this kind of thing. So now we're ready to jump into Galatians with both feet. We've been introduced, and we're going to look at just two bases today. So two bases. I'm going to go real fast and you're going to have to listen quickly. So I'm going to read the next section. It's, it's from chapter 1 again, of course, verses 6 through 10. It reveals basic number one. Listen to this. Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace, the empowerment of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than you accept it, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So here's basic number one. I know you know this. A lot of you know this, but we really need to know it in our hearts. There's one way to God, amen? And that is by faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other gospel. There is no other way to God, amen? If you've been around evangelical circles, you know this, but I want you to be in the 51% today, amen? I want you to really know it and be convictional of it. You need to be rescued. People need to be rescued. It's simply the truth. It's narrow. It's intolerant. And we live in this tolerance-oriented culture. We live in this culture that says anything goes, and tolerance is exalted as the ultimate virtue. Amen? So if you truly believe this, and I pray you do, you're going to be viewed as narrow-minded. You might even come under some attack and some ridicule because we live in a culture where anything goes and there are no right ways. And we're overwhelmed and over-influenced in this tolerance side of culture. And it's hard to say anything contrary to quote, what is an accepted norm, culturally speaking, or we're called haters, or hate speech, right? Right? Maybe? Yeah, right, we are. Listen to this story. A transgendered person decided that all the hormonal treatment that they had been going, undergoing and all the operations didn't bring the result hoped for. 
just didn't satisfy the soul. And this person found Christ, was born again, and decided to go back to their original biological sex. And then they begin to speak about this experience, just speaking about their experience, what they had gone through, and, and that they didn't believe that hormone, hormone, or hormone treatment and, and operations was a good thing uh, to do. It didn't solve anything. And guess what they were labeled? A hater. And they were labeled with hate speech. And I thought, how ironic. Can a person even just say what's happened to them without being labeled that way? Paul is astonished. He is shocked that some in the Galatian church were, were turning from the simple salvation in Jesus Christ to embracing other ways of coming to God. And the word deserting in Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 implies a revolt against. It implies a revolt against. And it's to think, to think that you can come to God any way other than through Jesus Christ is to basically revolt against God. It's a strong language. A word that's been on my heart for a long time as a Christ follower and as, a, as, as pastor of this church has been the word simplicity. It is our friend. Simplicity is our friend. Don't make your walk in Christ a complicated thing. It's about loving Jesus and following Jesus. Amen? It's about loving Jesus and what? Following Jesus. We don't need to add a bunch of stuff to that to go deep and rich in our faith. Oftentimes people think going deep and rich in faith is getting this thing complicated. No, 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 no. Deep and rich faith is a faith that's committed to Jesus and following after him as hard as they can. Amen? That's a deep and rich faith. Paul shares something very insightful. When you add to Christ, it causes confusion. See, perversion of the true way to God results in confusion. And during Paul's absence from the Galatian church, some would come in and they begin to add these things. You've got to be circumcised. You know, you've got to keep the Sabbath holy. You've got to do these dietary law observance. You've got to follow the law of Moses. And it was just confusing all the people because it's a perversion of the way you come to God. You come to God by grace through faith. Amen? How do you come to God? By grace, through faith. Whenever you study church history, any significant move of God was a return to this simplicity. I grew up in the era of the Jesus people movement. It started in the 60s and went all the way through the early 80s. Now some craziness came out of that movement. I'm going to be the first one to admit that. There were some almost like cult kind of things that happened with very authoritative leaders. But by and large, the movement was really good. It was really impactful to me. And you know what the movement was about? Turning back to original Christianity. Going back to just loving Jesus. Formality was exchanged with reality. Be real, be honest, be genuine before your God. Um, there was a belief in the powerful working and manifestation of the person of the Holy Spirit. That he truly changed people. That he would manifest himself in your life and powerful things would happen in your life. And that you would never be the same. And God still did miracles and God still did healings and God still did this deep work of transformation. And it captured my soul. It's what I longed for as a young person. I wanted something genuine. Amen. Any movement of God is like that. Uh, the Reformation was like that. The church had made this complicated. They were selling indulgences at the time. 
And, and they'd give you the certificate, and it would let you get out of purgatory quicker, you know? And they were saying you could buy them for your relatives. That was an affront to true Christianity. And, and so the reformers came along and said, no, it's Jesus alone. It's grace alone. It's scripture alone. And it was returned back to the simplicity of following after Christ and his ways. So here's the application I want you to ponder here from this point. You are to be most concerned with God's approval and not the approval of people. Paul makes this concluding statement to the section I just read to you. I follow God. I follow Christ. If I wanted to please, I, 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 if, uh, if I you know, didn't want to please God, I, I wouldn't follow or be a servant of Jesus. Amen? So where are you at? How frequently are you concerned with people over that of God? So this last week, how many times did you do something to please a person. How many times you do something to please God? When they're at odds, who won out? The application of what I'm talking to you today is simply this. Follow God. Follow God. Follow God. Let's go and to basic number two, okay? And, and this is found as we continue to read on chapter one here, beginning with verse 11 to the end. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in uh, Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Um, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get uh, acquainted with uh, Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that, I, that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and uh, Cilicia, and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they praise God because of me. So the, the opponents of Paul were infiltrating the, the Galatian churches with this, uh, you know, additional kind of stuff to salvation. And they were saying Paul's not a true apostle. Um, and you could see him rebuking them and answering. But what was his argument for his authenticity here? What was Paul's basic argument of why he should be listened to? I was formerly a persecuted persecutor of the way. And now what? I'm a preacher of the way. What was his argument then? Look at my transformed life. Look what God has done in me. Look how different I am. So here is basic number two. When Jesus enters your life, it leads to transformation. It leads to great transformation. Paul essentially says, my apostleship is authenticated by this. I formerly persecuted the church. Now I preach the message before that I was persecuting. Dean Jones was an actor uh, in my era of life, in my early days. He, he was an actor uh, that starred in The Love Bug. Some of you may know that. Some of you may not. doesn't matter. But he said this. When I was born again, it ended my acting career. I went from doing two movies a year to doing none for 11 years. I experienced real bias against Christianity, but, I wouldn't, but he never backed down from his stand on Christianity, 
And this life is a marvelous testimony of true transformation that took place to the point where Jesus was exalted in his life more than anything. At one point, he was offered a $600,000 role in a movie, but there was a questionable bathtub scene with a woman. And he said, I'll do that part if you'll remove this scene from the movie. They refused. And he didn't get the role. Cost him $600,000. And Dean Jones said this, you see, I'm blessed in having a measure of success in realizing the futility and emptiness of it. I see people all over this city of Hollywood who have not yet made it, but think if they ever did, they would be happy, fulfilled human beings. It ain't true. It's all an illusion. Only Christ can bring deep down fulfillment. So let's do some straight talk on transformation to finish up this morning. Don't settle, friends. Don't settle for pseudo-transformation that majors on identification markers. And you don't have any idea what I'm saying by that statement, but I'll explain it. Oftentimes what we do in the, is, as people is we don't really get at the heart of something. Instead, we begin to adopt some of its identification markers and think that makes us okay. So in Judaism, they had these markers that would signify that I'm, I'm a follower of God. They, they kept the Sabbath. They kept dietary laws. And, and um, they, did, they practiced circumcision. These were like external markers that would say, I'm a, a good, you know, do. I'm a good follower of God. But they weren't the main thing. God's always been after the heart. Amen? Not after these identification markers. Not after pseudo-transformation. Um, let, me, let me show you how this works. What group am I identifying right now? I'm going to give you some markers, and you, you, you're going to figure this out. I'll give you this big hint. They were really popular in the 1960s. Most of the time, they drove a VW van with flowers painted on the side. And they usually wore long, kind of flowing clothes with some kind of bandana. They smoked something very questionable most of the time. Um, and they had long hair. Who, who are they? Hippies, yeah. I just gave you the markers. That, that, now, a lot of us had long hair and clothing, and we had the markers, but we weren't necessarily part of, of, of that group. Here's, here's what I want to say to you today. Perhaps God is doing something new in our day and, and age. Perhaps he wants to strip us away of what we would consider classic identification markers that are really pseudo, pseudo kind of transformational kind of things. Jesus, Jesus challenged identif uh, identification markers of his day. Remember? His disciples, what did they do on the Sabbath? They picked what? grain and they ate it. That's a violation of the Sabbath. And they said, your disciples are violating the Sabbath. And basically he said, David did too, so what? And then dietary laws. His disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. And people go, what are you doing? And God's not concerned with external cleanliness. What's he concerned with? What comes out of the heart? And he was addressing these, what I would call pseudo-transformational markers of his era. And, and I think that's what, what, what God's trying to do in our day. The Holy Spirit's trying to get us beyond things that look Christian to being truly Christian. And Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There you go. That's our marker. That's who we're supposed to be. And we know what love means. I have the best interest of the other person at the heart of what I do. It's actionable. It's service-oriented. It's obedience-oriented. That's what love looks like with, with the Christian. And that's what God wants to bring us away from things that maybe were pseudo-markers that weren't really truly of Christ to, to 
Christ reigning in our hearts. Let's go to one last point here. There's an enormous difference between trying and training. An enormous difference between trying and training. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wife tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. When you're a born-again person, the Holy Spirit enters you, and then you're supposed to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and you're supposed to go into training. You're supposed to do those activities and things that actually promote growth and dependence on God in your life. And as you do that, you get trained, and you become tomorrow what you weren't yet today. But trying harder just says, I just, I just give it a good effort, but I don't really put any time or thought into it. We need to be people who train more than we try. And then we're going to experience this true transformation that God intends for us to experience. And then transformation, we know this brings glory to God. Because Paul said, I formerly persecuted the church. Now I preach to this church and all the people of Judea praise God because of it. Here's what I pray for you and me. That in the midst of this COVID-19, we're transformed more and more. And God is evident in our life more and more. We're using the moment we're in to say, what God do you want to get out of my life? What God do you want to put into my life? That's training. That's a training mentality. God, what do you want to do? How are you changing me in all this? We're never going to go back to the way it was. It's going to be a long time. So if you're hunkering down and thinking, I'm just going to wait this thing out, see you in a few years. It's not going to happen. It's a long thing. Amen? And, and so we have to say, God, what do you want to do in my life in the middle of all this? How do you want to change me? What do you want to, you know, address in my heart? And that, my friends, is more of a training, transformative kind of attitude. So I'm going to quit right there. I've said enough for today. We're going to do communion, and I want to stay sort of on time. Um, so I want to encourage you. We give you some materials each week called Together at Home, Discipling with Family and Friends. And so if you're online, you need to go to our media section uh, of our webpage, and you need to pull up this note guide from today's uh, uh, message, and you can find these questions. But I would, continue to, uh, I would encourage you to continue to talk about this stuff with your family and your friends and your children and let it do the work it's meant to do. At this point, I'm going to dismiss Watertown back to Pastor Jeff, and you're going to do communion there uh, uh, together.